Hey guys, welcome back to the show and thank you so much for tuning in. Today we are going to be talking about President Kamala Harris. You heard me, President Kamala Harris, the most empowering, most inspiring woman of color president the world could ever see. Now, officially, of course, the results of the U.S. election have not been finalized. In several states, the Trump team has launched litigation to challenge the reported results of the election. And as the Constitution states, states have until December 8th to certify the results of their elections before their electors actually cast their votes for the president on December 14th. So, no, despite what MSNBC might be telling you, Biden is not the president-elect. However, unofficially, as we have all been seeing, the left, the establishment media, as well as cuckolded conservatives who have long since lost their testosterone along with the will to fight for themselves, they have all been preparing for a Biden presidency, or shall I say, a Harris-Biden presidency. Harris-Biden administration is going to relaunch that effort and keep pushing further to make it easier for military spouses and veterans to find meaningful careers, to ensure teachers know how to support military children in their classrooms, and to improve support for caregivers and survivors so much more than we do now. Even though Joe Biden is technically his party's nominee, as well as the person whom the media has crowned president, because apparently that's how elections work in 2020, a lot of people feel that because of his, let's just say, questionable mental state, if he ever does become president, the person who's actually going to be calling all of the shots isn't going to be him, but rather his running mate, Kamala Harris. You see, most of the time, the role of vice president is a largely ceremonial, if not flat-out useless position. The vice president just doesn't have many officially assigned duties, aside from presiding over the Senate, which most of the time is delegated to someone else anyway. However, there are also vice presidents who are very prominent in their administrations, and a lot of people, myself included, believe that since, frankly, Joe Biden can't seem to remember where he is half the time, if he does become president, Kamala Harris is probably going to be the one pulling his strings, much like a, uh, a Dick Cheney in heels if you will, except less nefarious or, or more nefarious. I don't know, that's a tough call. And even aside from Joe Biden's likely dementia, it just, it really does seem, to me at least, that the establishment has wanted Kamala Harris in power for quite some time now. Remember all of the rosy and glowing reviews that she had in the mainstream media during her primary, even though she literally did not manage to get a single delegate? Seriously, it seems like the only people who were at all excited about Kamala Harris during her primary campaign and when she was announced as the VP pick were the DNC and establishment media. But still, despite the many, many reasons why Kamala Harris is not a good candidate, just general lack of popularity, unlikability, flip-flopping, questionable career track record, being too progressive for the moderates, but too establishment for the progressives, for some reason, anytime she is criticized, the usual suspects are still always there to defend her against what they label racist and sexist attacks. And it's actually one such attempted defense of Kamala Harris that I thought we would go over together today. Here's an article by Jezebel titled, The Manosphere is Freaking Out Over a Kamala Harris Presidency. Now, the gist of this article is basically twofold. Number one, no, Kamala Harris is not trying to take power from Joe Biden, and if you believe that, you're pretty much a conspiracy theorist, but also, number two, 
if she did happen to take power from Joe Biden, you'd have to be a racist sexist not to like it. Before we get into that little shot of cyanide though, I wanna recommend you all something that is actually a pleasure to read and that is the book, Not Free America. It's one of the most interesting books I've come across in quite a while and it's written by someone named Mike Donovan. This guy has fought tyranny for years as the founder of the nation's largest pro bono civil rights law firm. As Donovan puts it in his book, Not Free America, the Bill of Rights has been under attack long before COVID-19. If you refuse to surrender your liberty to any earthly power, you need this book. Not Free America solves the issue of citizens being used by the government, so it's more than just a book, it's a solution. So visit notfreeamerica.com to take the Liberty Pledge and order your copy today to find out how to stop the overreaching abuse of government and what actions you can take to do better. We must work together and do better to fix the ever-compounding liberty crisis in America. If we can unite around the concept of liberty, we can create lasting greatness. I remember the most significant changes usually come from times of crisis, perhaps like the one that we are in right now. So do your part and visit notfreeamerica.com today. That is notfreeamerica.com today to order your book. As the Jezebel article begins, quote, last week as electoral returns began strongly favoring Joe Biden, commenters on a political discussion board for members of Reddit's notoriously misogynistic The Red Pill sounded the alarm over the inevitability of a woman president. Biden will either step down, be killed, or be unfit to serve within two years of his term, in which case Kamala will be president, wrote one commenter. Another user described Biden as the Trojan horse of Kamala's technocracy. This analogy was parroted on a forum for involuntary celibates, or incels, where a poster invoked an unfounded QAnon conspiracy theory. Biden is a creepy pedo, and he's obviously a Trojan horse for Kamala to take over, which would F America over like you'd never seen before. On a MGTOW forum, a commenter wrote, Biden won't be in charge though, Kamala will be. Now, I'm not familiar with these forums that this author is referring to, and I'm not doubting that there are some people out there who don't like the idea of a Harris presidency because she's a woman, but I do feel the need to point out here that none of the things that she has cited in her article are actually sexist or racist, at least not yet. You don't need to be any type of bigot to believe that Kamala Harris being president would be a bad thing, and we'll get into why exactly that is, but for now, let's keep reading. A storyline is gaining traction in the manosphere, one that seems likely to explode once Biden is sworn in. That Democrats are calculatedly sneaking in our first woman president. The theory holds that either Biden will die and Harris will take over power, or she will be his puppet master from behind the scenes. It is all part of a paranoid fantasy about gynocentric pink out of femoid political control, which will usher in matriarchy and feminist control. Even though this author might assert that it is a paranoid fantasy to believe that something might happen to Joe Biden causing Kamala Harris herself to be sworn into the presidency, uh, the fact of the matter is that there are actual articles being written about exactly that scenario by mainstream media outlets. For example, take this one from Yahoo titled, What Happens If a President-Elect Dies? before inauguration. It may seem morbid, but considering Biden's age in the pandemic, it's worth clarifying what would happen if a president-elect were to die before taking office. The mainstream media is allowed to talk about Joe Biden before he even gets sworn in, but suddenly if people on forums on the internet do it, it's a conspiracy theory. 
Seems like a bit of a double standard. And again, like I said, you do not need to hate Harris's gender to think that she would be a bad president. First off, she is all about identity politics. She has played the race card and the gender card more times than I can count. If you oppose woke politics, then the prospect of a Harris presidency should terrify you. I mean, just look at her Twitter page. She has her pronouns in her bio, and she posts frequently about systemic racism and needing to give people of color a chance to succeed. It's 2020, but Kamala Harris is out here acting like Jim Crow is still around. And to be clear, no, I do not think that she is a genuine progressive. Rather, I think she's the politician equivalent of tofu. No, she doesn't have any integrity or backbone of her own, but rather she just absorbs the flavors or policies of whoever happens to be around her at the time. Case in point, let's take a look at her actual policy positions that seem to change as frequently as a college girl's pronouns. As the BBC reports, Miss Harris has recently supported legalizing marijuana at the national level, but critics point out her San Francisco office oversaw over 1,900 cannabis convictions. And regarding healthcare, quote, Miss Harris's shifting opinion on the issue damaged her presidential campaign. She was one of the first top Democrats to join Senator Bernie Sanders' 2017 Medicare for All bill to provide government-run medical insurance for every American. But after professing support for eliminating private health insurance companies, she swiftly backtracked. And on top of that, she also eventually teamed up with Biden, who does not support Medicare for All. He instead supports expanding Obamacare, which is an entirely different position. Those are just some of the reasons why you might question Kamala Harris that have nothing to do with her gender. And before this episode is over, we'll be talking about many more. Back to the article, though. This anti-feminist conspiracy theory is only buoyed by the baseless claims of mail-in voter fraud that currently dominate the manosphere. This loose network of anti-feminist online communities, known for its divisive fractures, is now overwhelmingly united in the false claim of a stolen election. Of course, it's the same plotline seeded many months ago by President Donald Trump, one that's perfectly tailored for the manosphere's conspiratorial, disenfranchised mindset, a world where mainstream illusions are punctured, turning the oppressed into oppressors, losers into winners. Even those who consider themselves apolitical, because all politicians are manginas, because real men make their own reality, because a new POTUS shouldn't hurt your chances of getting laid, bro, are now railing against the legitimacy of a Biden presidency. I find it really interesting when people like this author talk about baseless claims of voter fraud, considering that there's quite a bit of evidence there was, in fact, voter fraud. And don't get me wrong, you don't need to actually believe that there was enough voter fraud to sway the election, but there is evidence there that it at least did happen to some degree. To quote, well, me, since I, I wrote this article, the unprecedented use of widespread mail-in ballots has led to allegations of stolen ballots, individuals receiving the wrong ballots, and even ballots being sent to the former addresses of the deceased. Furthermore, there are also postal workers who claim on record that ballots sent late were wrongfully and intentionally backdated when postmarked. In addition to the mail-in ballots, there have also been reports of poll watchers being denied entry to supervised counts, ballots for Biden being more likely to be cured than ballots for Trump, unmarked ballots mysteriously appearing, and software glitches that erroneously attribute thousands of votes for Trump to Biden. And that's not to mention things like the suspiciously high voter turnout, ballots that defy Benford's law, mail-in ballots in swing states favoring Biden at an improbably high degree, and and a strange lack of down-the-ticket voting on ballots for Biden. If you want to see exact sources for all of the allegations that I mentioned, then check out that article because they're all linked there. But basically, no, the allegations of voter fraud are not useless. And I find it really interesting that it seems like this author, instead of actually trying to, 
I don't know, explore herself, what people are talking about when they refer to voter fraud, she seems more keen to just label them sexist and conspiracy theorists. It's almost as if because her reality is determined by her worldview, as opposed to the opposite, she assumes that the same must be true for everyone else. And to anyone who still does not believe that big tech censorship is a serious problem, I would point them to this article. Here we have an author who I'm assuming it is her entire job to just write about politics online, but even she is not aware of the many different instances of possible voter fraud. I'm just not comfortable with the amount of control that places like Facebook and Twitter have over data. And actually, if you're not either, then I want to introduce you to our sponsor, ExpressVPN. Oh yeah, smooth as heck transition. See, the problem with big tech companies is that not only do they censor what you read, but they also track everything you do online. They track what you're searching for, what videos you watch, and every single thing you click. If that scares you, it should. When I use ExpressVPN though, these tech companies cannot see my IP address at all. My identity is masked and anonymized using a secure VPN server. Plus ExpressVPN also encrypts 100% of your data to protect you from hackers and internet bad guys. Does that sound complicated? Because it's not, I promise. ExpressVPN software takes just one minute to set up on your computer or your phone. You tap one one button and boom, you are protected. Plus, what's really cool is that ExpressVPN allows you to watch content on sites in different countries like American Hulu if you're in Canada or British Netflix if you're in the States. The possibilities with that really are endless. Plus, why give these tech companies a free license to know everything about you then turn around and sell off your information? It's time to take back your privacy at expressvpn.com slash Lauren by visiting my special link. You'll get an extra three months of ExpressVPN service for free. Who doesn't like to save money? Again, that's expressvpn.com slash Lauren. That is expressvpn.com slash Lauren to protect your data today. Finally, Jezebel notes that, quote, within the manosphere, Harris represents something worse than the general threat of democratic liberalism. On a popular forum for incels or involuntary celibates, one commenter wrote, President Kamala Harris is even scarier than Biden. Imagine a woke tyranny run on an international scale by HR ladies. Another commenter lamented, so long Magaland, hello law enforced gender pronouns, and Kamala as the first black woman president within two years. It's so over, it's not even funny. This kind of reactionary bluster is utterly predictable. Anytime you see discourses change around masculinity or women making gains, we can expect this pushback of traditional masculinity, said Deanna A. Rollinger, a sociology professor who has studied the politicization of Reddit's red pill community in the lead up to the 2016 election. We're gonna see this in the political realm now. This pushback against progressive women, particularly women of color. This is a huge challenge for white masculinity. As someone who isn't all white and is not at all masculine, what I really want these people to understand is that you can be against the type of progressivism that Kamala Harris is peddling, at least for the moment, without being against women or people of color. The only thing you need to be is for sanity. It seems like any type of general criticism against Kamala Harris is taken by people like this author as some sort of sexist or racist slight. So let me be real specific here. Her policies are garbage. And guess what? They would still be garbage even if she were a white man peddling them. Seriously, let's go back to the BBC and look at what Kamala Harris actually believes. Again, 
for now. It says Ms. Harris was a co-sponsor of the Green New Deal, a policy paper that advocates overhauling the U.S. economy to tackle climate change. It also says that recently Harris introduced a climate equity bill with self-described Democratic Socialist Congresswoman Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez that seeks to rate how environmental laws affect lower-income communities. Harris also opposes fracking and has called for federal legal action against the fossil fuel industry, and in her presidential campaign, she outlined a $10 trillion climate plan for net zero emissions by 2045. We've gone over this before on the show. I consider myself a conservationist. I love the environment, but when it comes to climate change, it really seems to me like these people just want to burn money and sneak in socialism under the guise of trying to reduce emissions. Harris also supports a, quote, highly contentious taxpayer funding of abortions, and she famously proposed providing all workers with six months paid family leave for personal or medical issues, including those related to domestic violence, which was a far more generous policy than even left-wing Democratic contenders like Elizabeth Warren or Bernie Sanders, who backed a three-month paid leave bill. I don't know about you folks, but personally, I would gladly let someone push me down the stairs if it meant six months of paid medical leave. Oh, and by the way, how could I forget, Harris also supports a path to citizenship for illegal aliens. Personally, I still don't know who's going to end up being president in January, but what I do know is that if it is Joe Biden, and then, heaven help us, eventually Kamala Harris, the media will shill for her like they have never shilled before. That's pretty much all I have to say for now, though, and as always, I would love to know what you all think. If Joe Biden does become president, how big of a role do you think Kamala Harris will play in his administration? Let me know, but that's it for now. Thank you so much for tuning in, and I'll see you next time.